straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 277, brought to you by Hook'em.com. Good friends at Bud Light, Cedric Golden here with the Duck. Kirk Bowles and Duck, a little later, we're going to talk to Austin FC goalkeeper Brad Stuver. But first, we got to get to some American football. <laughs> Texas Longhorns somehow are a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Oklahoma State. Somebody in the national <laughs> betting circles are feeling the Bevos after that big win this past weekend um, over Iowa State. Uh, Duck, what do, you, what do you think about that point spread? Maybe two thoughts. The obvious is Spencer Sanders isn't 100% healthy. We know so that. Maybe he won't play, or maybe he's really bagged up and will try to play. The second thing is, you know, maybe they're betting on Longhorn Fever. You know, they got the passion, and they like their team, and maybe they're going to bet them up more than the Oklahoma State crowd. You really is there is there really Longhorn fever right now? I oh, mean, yeah, we were there at the end of the game. It was nice. It's a nice they were, they were crowded. They were yelling. They were into that. And you know, yeah, they didn't play that well. And Sark okay. acknowledged it. It's okay as long as you win. Hey, but, the 2005 national championship team was down 28, 28 to twelve. He it's don't know honor and had to come back or they don't win a championship. Exactly. You're going to have some close scrapes like that. So, but when you see a visiting team, two loss visiting team like Texas is be a, basically a touchdown favorite over the home team. Who's five and one who's ranked 11th. Texas is 20th. Somebody's in the know. Okay. Somebody's in the know. And Quite frankly, I don't know about you, but I just feel Texas is the better team. Have they shown it every Saturday? No, they didn't in Lubbock. They barely showed it last Saturday. But in some of that schedule, I mean, Oklahoma State's beaten Texas Tech, who nobody thought very highly of, but they did beat Texas, and beat Baylor, which is not the same Baylor team as a year ago. They still beat them in Waco by double digits. That's impressive. Yeah, it is impressive, but then they also beat Arkansas Pine Bluff while Texas is playing Alabama. They played Central Michigan while Texas is playing a very good UTSA team. So, Are you saying Oklahoma State's not battle-tested, Mr. Bowles? Not as much as Texas. I would they say really they're are. Because they were at Lubbock, played Alabama. You know, West Virginia is not a bad team. So, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling it. How about you? So is um is it tropical punch or strawberry or grape? Which flavor of cool oh, are you drinking today, Duck? I just you sound me. like a Longhorn Homer. Uh, I think I like it. I think I like it. I I like I like bowls jumping on the bandwagon. I I'm still on the fence. I mean. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know people are going to get mad at me for this, but why are you on the fence? I'm leaning toward Oklahoma State, Doug. Ooh, uh, make your case. Let's hear it. If <clears throat> it's a big if, if Spencer Sanders plays, 
and he's 80%. And they got the home crowd. Mm-hmm. The Texas Longhorns are one in five under Sark in, in, the, in their last six games, true road games. Then I, I, I think that Oklahoma State can get out of there with a close win. I do. Uh, their front their front seven's decent. I do not like them on the back end at all. They got to get after they got to get after Quinn yours. But if they can speed that clock up in Quinn's head, uh, they've got a good chance to win this game at home. But I'm more, more wondering if if Vegas is really right about the six and a half. Does Vegas know that Quinn yours isn't playing? That's the question. You mean Spencer Sanders not? Playing? I mean, I'm sorry. Does Vegas yeah. know that Spencer Sanders isn't playing? We know Quinn's playing. That's my mistake. But does Vegas know that Spencer's out? I don't know. Because Mullet was very mom on it. He he said, let's not even waste time asking about injuries. I'm not talking about it. And so I don't blame him there. And, you know, Sarks was the same way uh, when Quinn got hurt. So uh, that six and a half is a befuddling point spread. Because I'm going to tell you about point spreads for our listeners out there that that, that aren't up on game, Vegas gives you three points at home. You're a home team, you're going to get three points in your favor. So the fact that o- Oklahoma State got is a six-and-a-half-point favorite really means to Vegas that the Texas Longhorns are a prohibitive favorite um, because, I mean, you get well, three points for being at home. For those of us, for those of you who didn't, Listen to us on Longhorn Confidential on Tuesday. Let me reiterate that in that one in five road record, Quinn Ewers played zero games. Zero. Quinn Ewers is playing now. That's a huge correction. I mean, you know, I think they're undefeated with Quinn Ewers right now. They are. Don't you? Don't you think they beat Alabama? I I mean, I really do. He was on, what, a 520-yard passing pace when he got hurt in the first quarter. And now he probably wasn't going to hit that. 12 for 134 yards in a quarter. I mean, he had it going, and I don't think they lose in Lubbock. Although Hudson Card played well. Hudson wasn't the reason they lost. No, he wasn't. It was that defense that just kind of cratered. And the defense has gotten better. They they still bend a lot. I mean, and we talked talked, to bend. Well, I don't mind the bending so much as leaving the wide receiver like Quentin Hudson wide open at the five-yard line. That'll get you beat. So, you know, just as big a key as whether Sanders is playing or not for Oklahoma State, how is Ryan Watts for Texas? He, Sark acted like he's okay, but Austin Jordan and Terrence Brooks, they had They're to move ready. Jade Barron over They're there. I like Jade. I like Jade, but those other two aren't ready. They're not but he ready. sounded like Ryan Watts was – Gonna be okay. He said he's great. He didn't say he's good. He said he's great. He's right. great. And they so need it. I think he's gonna play. I think he's gonna play. Okay, so here's a question, and and you wrote about it uh, for today. Stopping Spencer Sanders. I contend they ought to put a spy on him because he's a more of a runner than a passer. He's a great athlete, and he can pass, but he's not the most accurate guy. He's got three interceptions this year, but. He can throw into tight windows and make mistakes. So would you use a spy, or how would you stop Spencer Sanders? I'm a, I'm spying him all day long with 41. Jalen Ford too. is my guy. That's Me my too. spy. That's my spy. Jalen Ford is the most um, most athletic 
uh, playmaking linebacker on the team. He's great. I, I consider uh, Demo a, a defensive end. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's a pass rusher. Yeah, I, can, I don't consider him a linebacker. Jalen Ford is your is your spy. And when Spencer Sanders, they love quarterback draws. When since Spencer Sanders is in that shotgun and he sees him plant that back foot, go get him, go mm-hmm. get him. Uh, they're not they're not as worried about him. To a man, they say, "Oh, he's a great athlete. Oh, he's great with his feet." And they didn't really talk about as much about him throwing the football, even though a couple of years ago he threw for 400 yards mm-hmm. against the Longhorns. So, um, you know, we talked we talked to our scouting friend in the press box, NFL scout in the press box, and he he told us he said, "Look, he goes, a guy can run, but he, he he's inaccurate. He's inaccurate, mm-hmm. and that's that's going to hurt him on the next level." So they know that if they stop his feet, they got a much better chance you make him a thrower of the football then mm-hmm. you're playing in the UT's hands even though even though those safeties man sometimes they get caught peeking into the backfield and that can hurt them and it almost it almost proved disastrous against Iowa State at the end well not only that Texas linebackers haven't been great in pass coverage and I think part of that's philosophy because they want to commit to stopping the run there which I which I, I completely get and they're 34th against the run in the nation, giving up 119 yards per game, which is damn good. So uh, I applaud them on that. But they can be victimized, especially over the middle. You saw Iowa State doing it. You saw Texas Tech doing it. And so they're kind of more on an island back there with the linebackers more committed to the run. So I'm sure that's how Oklahoma State will try to attack them, you know, and uh, we'll see if they can do it, especially – if Ryan Wel- Ross isn't 100%, even though Shark says he is. So much respect coming from the Texas side of things um, when it comes to Spencer Sanders. Let's listen and hear what, what Steve Sarkeesian thinks of this senior quarterback. Uh, I, I think what, what, I, what I see out of Spencer Sanders, and this is the ultimate compliment, I think he is an elite competitor. I mean, this guy has got a fire inside of him that is clear. Uh, you don't have to look for it. Uh, I think it burns inside of him. He's going to do whatever he has to do to help his team try to win. Run it, throw it, motivate, go tackle a guy, go block a guy. I think this guy's a he's a winner, you know, and he's he's got it, man. I'm a, he's a impressive young man, and you can tell he's a he's a the leader of that team, and you can see the guys rally behind him. I noticed something Saturday watching their game that I thought was was a pretty special moment. Um, you know they they lost a tough game. That was a that was a tough loss. But as soon as that game was done and their crowd went to rush the field, he had two or three offensive linemen get around him to make sure nobody could get to him as they got to the locker room. To me, that's a sign of a guy that's got respect of his teammates that they'll do anything to protect him. So, cool competitor. Um, you know, love what he does. Looking forward to competing against him. You know that that's what it's about. He likes him, Duck. He's a Sark kind of player. He's a hard nosed guy. Um, strong, um, good leader. Um, you know he's he's a, he's a little he's a lot more vocal than Quinn. But you know what? You know what I like about Quinn Ewers? He's not trying to be something he's not. He's he's a laid back guy, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. and um, he's he's letting. I think eventually he's going to have to take on a little bit more of a leadership role because Bijan Robinson's going to be gone after this year. Roshan Johnson's going to be gone after this year. And it's going to be him and those linemen. But those skilled people, uh, Xavier Worthy is a soft-spoken guy. 
I think eventually Quinn's going to have to be more of a vocal presence for this team to uh, continue to move forward. How uh, can you do that? Huh? Can't player do that if it's not in him? Does it come off as fake? I don't. I'm not saying you got to be firing brimstone in the huddle, but um, the way they talk when he's in the huddle, he's in command. But I, I, I mean, I, I think he just might have to be a little bit more outwardly. Um, because you don't, you won't, you're not going to have Bijan and Roshan. Those guys have got it on lock, Doug. They've oh. got it on lock. Jake Majors, they've got it on lock. But those guys aren't going to be around forever. And sooner or later, I, I, I mean, how many, how many good college football teams do you know where the quarterback is, is not, is not a, a leader on the team? Hudson Card mm-hmm. is on the leadership council because mm-hmm. Hudson Card is more of a vocal guy. And I'm not saying Quinn shouldn't. Shouldn't be should be something that he's not, but but he's going to have to speak up a little bit more, I think, uh, especially when those big dogs are leaving after next season. After well, this, he's Mister Mello. We've all seen that on the field and off because when they they bring him on Mondays and when we interview him, he basically says nothing. You know, he is just he's not out there to entertain us, and that's fine. He's not out there to inform us, and that's okay too. But we don't really get the sense of boy, this dynamic personality and boy, you know, he's like Applewhite or Colt McCoy fiery. And, and that's not him. He's, he, I think he is a great quarterback or can be a great quarterback. And like you said, maybe he'll grow into that role. He's played one full game since his junior year in high school one. And that was last week. And and everybody's kind of going, oh, boy, he didn't play very well. Way well, through three touchdowns and, what, 271 yards. You know, a lot of a lot of coaches would take that from their quarterback. So I think he's he got the makings of a great quarterback. He played against Oklahoma. He's played two full games. Come on, well, he didn't play. They didn't need to play him for a full game. Yeah, that's true. He didn't, he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter, and then he didn't play like the last three minutes of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So, and you know he's had to come. You know, and I'm not, and I'm not asking. I'm not saying that he's got to be. Rah, 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 let's go, let's go, because then, then you're right. It does come across as fake. But sooner mm-hmm. or later, you know, because you know, Eli Manning doesn't didn't come across as a as, no. a, as a big time leader, and he had a, he had alpha dogs on that team, and like Michael Strahan, people mm-hmm. like that. Uh, in well, earlier, uh, can't all be Tom Brady. You know, you yeah. see Tom Brady throwing tablets, barking at his linemen. You know what? That's fine, Tom, but don't skip practice to go to see your ninety-seven-year-old former owner go get married to a woman half his age. Uh, those yeah. linemen are looking at him like, "Yeah, uh, you, you, you skip practice, and now you're cussing at us." You can't yeah. have it both ways, Tom. But, but you're right, though. When you hit Peyton Manning, he's not the fiery guy. Uh, his brother Eli Manning, very laid back, sleepy, if you will, but you know, probably a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? Okay. So to you know, suppose. you can you don't have to be that type of leader as long as you produce, and you know, he can uh, you know be be the leader by example. We've seen a lot of them here at Texas, and and maybe that's just his style, which is fine if you can fling it like he does. You can be real quiet and just let your arm be the talking. Look, it's so pretty. God, it's it's fun it's to watch. A, it's a it's a beautiful, you know, just a beautiful arm stroke. I, I'm I I am I, I I'll be I'll be I'm in love with his passing motion. 
I'm ne- I mean, we, we, we cover college baseball, and Ivan Melendez has that easy power. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like he's swinging hard and the ball goes 400 feet. This kid's not throwing – he's not rearing back and no. stepping into it. He's flicking it, and it's going 35, 40 yards, and it's on the money. And um, it's the damnedest thing I've seen in college football in a long time. He's just and, a and he And he can float that out pattern. You don't know if you remember the one they were going – uh, south to north, and he just flicked it to, I don't know if it was Jordan Whittington or Jatavian Sanders, and he kind of threw him open. You know what that phrase means, obviously. Through to throws, that green grass he was telling us about. He throws people open, and he knows he can get it there. So, uh, yeah, and, and he doesn't make too many bro. stupid plays. I mean, he said, I think, two interceptions, one against Oklahoma, where he's where, trying to throw out of bounds. Yeah, and he said it kind of slipped out of his hands. And then the second pass of his career was it was, it was deflected, I thought, wasn't it? No, the second one he threw in the double coverage. Was it a screen pass? It was bad. Oh, no, it was deep. Remember, his first one could have been intercepted. His second pass was intercepted. Oh, okay. And that and the Oklahoma boo-boo were the only interceptions he's thrown. So he's taking care of the ball. He throws it away. Uh, and you know, they're plus two in turnover margin, and they've it's only good, not great. It's good, not great. Well, they're not getting the takeaways. Jalen Ford had two last week, and that gives them four, but they've only lost the turnover battle twice all year, and that was uh, uh, Texas Tech, which they lost, and UTSA, which was you know, a battle. So, if they can get some more takeaways. Man, the sky's the limit for this team. I'm telling you, they could win nine in a row. I don't think they will, but do you? No. <laughs> nine in a row? Stop. They're gonna win nine three. In a row. How many are they gonna win? Uh I don't I don't think they're gonna win this weekend. I don't. Okay, well, I do. So I'm 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 picking uh I don't know what the score I'm picking right now, but um well, that'd be three losses. But that'll be three losses, and um, they will still, they lose again? Yeah, yeah, they'll lose four. I think they're going to go eight and four. Why don't you believe? What a serious question now. What is there one thing that makes you think? I think they got two more losses in them. They haven't taken that act on the road yet. They haven't. And one, if they, I'm going to tell you, if they beat Oklahoma State like they stole something, or if they beat them by one point. Mm-hmm. In that environment, and we've been in that stadium where the fans are right on top of the – I mean, they're right there. Yeah, they are. Brutal for a visiting team. Um, they come out of there with a win. Then then I smell a 9-3 season. I do. Well – I don't, but I, but until they go on the road in an environment where it's not half OU, half Texas, when everybody in the stadium hates them and they still win, um, then, I'll, then I'll believe. Then I'll believe. But I go back. I go back to they got Quinn Ewers. He wasn't around for any of those losses. The offensive line is a big improvement. Young, very young, as we both know. But they don't stand out as a liability like they have the last few years at Texas. Third thing is their defense is showing big improvement. And fourth thing, Jordan Whittington staying healthy. And the emergence of Jatavian Sanders at tight end, they've got weapons. And we haven't seen Billingsley catch a pass yet, so they don't need him. Just give me, just give me some strawberry Kool Aid. I like tropical punch, and I'm not mad at you. I, I love, I love that you're that you're <laughs> jumping on with both feet. But I'm, um, 
I'll see. I'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll be in, in um, Stillwater with Daniel Davis and Sarah Diggins, our photographer, and and um, we'll see. We'll see. But um, for now, I'm um, I'm, le- I'm leaning toward Cowboys. So. Okay. Let's talk some soccer. Let's talk some soccer. On second thought, Duck. You know, the Longhorns are, are doing pretty well, but they're far from a playoff team. But we got a playoff team right here in the ATX. Austin FC headed to round two against Dallas, 7 o'clock on Sunday at the Q. And, man, how did we get to the top of the food chain? Goalie, Brad Stuver's here to meet us and give us the lowdown on what's going to happen this weekend. Brad, what are you up to? Ah, uh, well, First of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, first day back at training, kind of decompressed after the big win this weekend. And <laughs> now our full focus is uh, on Sunday and uh, about preparing for Dallas. So you fight through Salt Lake. You go 90 minutes regulation. You go two 15-minute overtime period. Then you got to do the shootout. How tired were you? We talked a little bit after the, the match. How tired were you when you got home? So I was actually okay. Luckily, uh <laughs> my guys did a, a fair share of running and they were probably a lot more tired than I was. I was joking around with some of them that for the majority of the game, I was just a spectator until the PK shootout. So nice, um, but the adrenaline was definitely high and uh, I crashed pretty hard that night. <laughs> when, when, when you, I mean, thank God it's not, it's not um hockey where they pull the goalie, you know, when you're behind. <laughs> Because you'd have been running, you would have been running down, down, down a couple of goals. Um, watching that shootout, I mean, it just seemed like you knew where the ball was going. I mean, how much of that is instinct? How much of it is film study? And how much of it is a little bit of luck? It's a it's a big combination of all three of those. Uh, we have an amazing support staff here from our um, video analysts and our goalkeeper coach Preston Burpo. Um, they give me all the information that I need going into a game. And we kind of talk about uh, players tendencies and then kind of in the moment after, like you said, after 120 minutes, a lot of guys have heavy legs and it comes down to in that moment, kind of what your gut feeling is a little bit of intuition and uh, just a little bit of luck there. And uh, I'll never say no to that. Now be honest. Now you told us after the match that you're, your stat crew did studies on all these guys that were going to take the kicks and none of them did. So did they apologize well, to you afterward? Yeah, no. So, I mean, we did have, like, we had their top five PK takers right? and those five ended up not taking them. So throughout the game, they kind of gave me the most information that they could. So, I mean, I was happy that they were able to put something together and put me in a spot where I felt confident going into that PK shootout. And get this, said he's not a poker player. He told us no. after the match he wasn't a poker, but Cedric's into poker a little bit. So. I'm not. I w- I will go I'm to in, Vegas. I'm in to give it the blackjack table, yeah. but it'll only be like an hour or two. There like you I'm go. Not. There you're talking said language. Yeah, so. that's about I, all I can do. One to two hours, and then I'm done. Or I'm, if I, lose, I don't, or if I run out of money. Yeah, I don't know that I'm a blackjack player. I, I like playing it, but it it usually plays me. I'm. Uh, my wife won't let me go back to Vegas for a year. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. How do you guys crack this, this Dallas, uh, nut? I mean, they've been a tough, they've been a tough adversary for you guys. You haven't beaten them. 
Yeah, no. So they're a good team. Um, they have a lot of good players. They're well coached. And uh, this game is it's going to mean a lot more uh, having in-state rivals and kind of being the new kid on the block. We kind of have a target on our back always. Um, but we get to play them at Q2 Stadium. And uh, this year we've tied both games that we've played against them. So we know this one's going to be a dog fight. We know that it might have to go another 120 minutes, um, but we're going to do everything we can to prepare and um, be ready to win this in 90 minutes. How would you say y'all match up uh, as far as styles of play, Brad? Uh, it's very similar. So uh, Nico Estevez, the head coach of Dallas, uh, was actually one of my assistant coaches in Columbus when oh. Josh Wolf was an assistant there. And both Nico and Josh were assistant coaches with Greg Berhalter on the U.S. men's national team. So they kind of come from the same same school of thought when it comes to tactics. So as a as a soccer nerd, I'm kind of loving this little this chess game that they're playing about uh, knowing each other's styles and kind of figuring out what's going to work best, how to tweak little things to uh, disrupt what the other one is doing. So uh, I'm a big fan of watching uh, how Josh is preparing us for this one. And Nico's a rookie manager like Josh was last year. Does that give Josh an advantage a little bit? Josh has definitely had uh, another year to try and figure things out as a head coach. Uh, I mean, he learned a lot last year, as did we all. And I think Josh has done extremely well this year. And um, he's prepared us well every game. He's been able to tweak some things when we needed to get a result on the road, at home, down a player, up a goal, all these different things kind of play into it. And you can kind of see the team this year is really – really taking in the information that Josh is giving us. So I expect that we're going to do that again this weekend. What, what, what were the issues last season offensively? I mean, was it, a, was it just a, a matter of just getting accustomed to Josh's philosophy or was it um, a couple of, maybe a couple of bad fits because you guys just seem to be a lot more seamless this year uh, than you were in year one. It was unfortunate last year. We took a couple of injuries early on in preseason guys that were going to be offensive uh, production units for us. Um, and that kind of threw a wrench into our plan a little bit. We had to play some of our players out of their natural position. Um, we were also all new to Austin. We were all new to Austin FC and Josh's system. And uh, we had to learn what he expected of us. And it is a very detailed system and it works best when everybody is on the same page. So I think last year we did a lot of learning. And then when we brought in Darusi in the summer of last year, you could tell that he was a spark for us. And he's shown that this year, just how good he can be. And having that year last year of kind of that growth mindset and learning what works, what doesn't uh, has really given us a leg up this year for sure. And like you said, getting Sebastian a mid-year, he kind of got his feet wet last year and just exploded this year, 22 goals. And uh, one of the finalists for player of the year, MVP. I mean, yep. I think I know how you feel about that, but he's such a dynamic player. He's hard to stop, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, for me, I've said it many times, and I'll say it as many times as it takes. Uh, Sebastian is for sure the MVP of this league this year. Um, just what he brings to our team – both offensively and defensively and what he brings in the locker room is uh, he's a special talent 
Uh, we're very lucky to have him. And uh, I hope that other people can see just how special he is and what he does for Austin FC. I got to ask you, how much fun are you having? I mean, I mean <laughs> you've, you've been a part of a, of a championship organization in Columbus, and you go through the ringer last year. And I remember at the beginning of the season, we asked Josh, uh, who's going to be your goalkeeper? He didn't know. I mean, he yeah. didn't say Brad. He didn't say Brad Stuver. So uh, you're firmly entrenched. You're, you're, you're 31 years old and uh, having fun running around, around out there like a 22-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much fun is it to, to be a couple of wins away from uh, playing for the, the big cup? Yeah, we talk, we talk all the time. I've been in this league for 10 years and you don't always get the opportunity to have a locker room like this, to have um, as many good players on a roster as you do on this team. And um, when you have something special like we do here in Austin, uh, you just have to take it one game at a time. But the amount of fun that we're having, you can see just in the camaraderie of the group, um, the celebration after the win just kind of encapsulated everything that we've gone through this year. And you can see how close the guys are sitting on the field together with their families, looking up at our supporters, just in awe of how great the support is in this city and just how unique it is to play here in Austin in front of the Austin FC fans. I mean, to go 36 games, um, 35 games sell out, in Q2 stadium to play in front of almost 21,000 people every game is, is something special. And um, we're not taking that for granted. I wonder how many uh, environments are like Q2. I mean, I know y'all sold out for a real Salt Lake in five minutes. I don't know if it took four minutes for the Dallas match <laughs> to be sold out, but. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Those tickets are gone. Yeah. How many atmospheres are like this around the league, Brad? Very few. Um, what we have here in Austin is, is very unique. Um, it is extremely fun. And when I talk to some of my friends that come here and play in front of our fans and get to experience the Q2 atmosphere, they just kind of look at us and is like, how, like, what is going on in this city that this is what the atmosphere looks like on every game day and coming from Columbus, it's a big Ohio state football town. So when the Columbus crew played on Ohio State football day, sometimes we struggled to fill the stadium just because of the competing interest between college football and soccer. So when I came down here to Austin, uh, I knew UT was a big thing here. And I think it was last year, one of our first games at home was a UT football game day and UT football sold out. And then our game sold out a few hours later. And that's when I knew truly how different this city was. Um, And I think this year there was a game that UT football kicked off at seven. We kicked off at eight and both stadiums set record high attendance records. And that just shows like how loyal, how faithful, how amazing uh, Austin sports fans can be. And it's just, it's just awesome to be a part of. Brad, we, Kirk and I have been thousands between us, Texas football games. And it's sometimes it's a wine and cheese crowd. And there can be 100,000 people in there and it's not loud at all. But when you walk into that queue, man, it, it's as loud as, as a UT football game. 
unless UT's behind and they're desperate and they get loud, <laughs> then they get loud. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of blown away by the atmosphere. Um, that, I guess that's how it's supposed to be, but why isn't it like that in other places? I mean, soccer is still, it's still evolving here in the United States. Um, we've come a long way in major league soccer of growing the game and making soccer more accessible and kind of a better atmosphere for everybody. But because this league was only formed in 1996, we're only 20 years, 25 years into this professional sport. When you look at soccer leagues around the world, they're hundred years into it. So, and that's kind of like the main sport of the country. Here in the U.S., we have so many different competing sports with football, basketball, baseball, hockey, uh, college athletics, all of that. We just have this broad array of sports that soccer is just now kind of um, breaking in and showing what it can be. Um, And I mean, Austin is a great example of what it should be and what it can be. And um, this is what I hope as we continue on with professional soccer in this league in this league and in this country that this is something that is kind of like a blueprint and this is what um the rest of the country will look like mm-hmm. down the when, road when you were in new york for three years i believe i think you uh, had yeah. like 11 starts there do you consider yourself a late bloomer and uh, <laughs> why, why weren't you discovered sooner to the so as a goalkeeper they always say that our shelf life as a professional is a little bit longer Um, You see goalkeepers that can play until they're 40. Uh, Normally, most field players don't play that long and they hit their prime in their late 20s. Normally, goalkeepers don't hit their prime until early 30s. Um, But I was sitting behind some really talented goalkeepers that are on the U.S. men's national team right now that are probably going to go to the World Cup with Sean Johnson in New York. And then before that, Zach Steffen, who's now in England playing. So um, sitting behind those guys, it was tough to break through because of how good they are. Right. And um, when you sit for so long, you need, you really need to know like a GM or a coach that's going to take a chance on you. Like you said, last year, when I came down here, they didn't know who was going to be the goalkeeper because they really wanted to have an open competition. And I'm very thankful to Claudio and Josh for giving me the opportunity to come down here and truly compete and show what I've been working on for eight seasons to kind of show like who I am as a player. And uh, right now I'm feeling good, playing well, and there's always things that I want to get better at, but there's no, no plans on stopping anytime soon. So are you going to be the Tom Brady of MLS? To be, you know, be <laughs> Go get divorced. In your forties, I was gonna say I will. I will take that as long as I don't have to leave my wife and kids. <laughs> as long as she doesn't leave me for playing as long as Tom Brady has, I think we'll be okay. But I would love that. I mean, as long as my body is good and I'm still performing and uh, helping the team win games, I'll play as long as I can. Well, here's the difference, though. You, Tom Brady is married to football. You're married to Ashley. <laughs> There's a difference. That's true. There's That's a true. difference. <laughs> That's I got to ask you, um, yeah, before the season last year, I was uh, looking for column ideas and someone beat me to it. I wasn't able to get around to it, but you're so involved in local causes, um, LGBTQ plus 
Black Lives Matter. You and Ashley are on the front lines of those causes. Um, where does that come from, uh, serving your community? Is it a family thing? Uh, because it's a calling and it and you, you people don't do it by accident. Where does that come from? Yeah, so growing up, uh, my family, I come from like a military family. My dad was in the Army. My grandpas were Army, Navy. I have a lot of cousins and family that were military. My father-in-law was military. Uh, my mom was a nurse. So kind of early on, my brother and I kind of had this idea of service to others as like a key point as we grew up. We just saw our parents helping their communities and kind of serving others. And it wasn't something they ever talked about, but it was just something that was so prevalent in our childhood that as I grew up and as Ashley grew up, we wanted to be able to give back to the communities that we were living in because we, unfortunately, we see that there's just so much that needs to be said and so many um, people that need to be heard because of things that are happening in today's society. So um, Ashley and I have both kind of grabbed on to some things throughout the years. I mean, she focuses on voting rights and reproductive rights. I've fallen in with the LGBTQIA plus rights and um, both of us have uh, worked with the laundry project as we've gone along. So um, for us, it's just about helping communities that we live in and trying to make the world as equal and equitable as we can uh, using the platform that we've been given. And you've been named one of the finalists second year in a row for humanitarian of the year. And Muhammad Ali. That's pretty impressive. That's a big can, deal, man. Can you kind of explain the Laundry Project to those who aren't aware of it? Yeah, so the Laundry Project is a nonprofit based out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, we got involved through friends of ours. Uh, they brought it to us in 2016 while we were in Columbus. Basically, what we do is we fundraise money and laundry supplies, and then we go into a lower-income neighborhood, and we go to a public laundromat, and for about three hours, anybody that walks through the door can uh, do their laundry for free. They will pay for the washer. We'll pay for the dryer. Um, they can use the detergent and everything that we bring in with them as well. And we've been doing projects. We did projects in Columbus. We did projects in the Bronx in New York City. And we've done projects here in Austin, one in Uvalde this past summer. Um, and it's just a way for us. Like we got involved and we learned so much just how much we take clean clothes for granted. A lot of us have washers and dryers in our houses and our apartments, and it's not something that crosses our mind every day. And so when we found out that um, it's not as accessible to everybody and just how important clean clothes can be to a kid's self-confidence going into school or an adult's self-confidence going to a job interview or going into their job, it's something that really resonated with us. And it's something that we can do um, time and time again, and try and help as many people as we can. And that's so cool. That's, that's the that's that's the best thing I've heard today. I mean, that I'm is like the absolute best. You don't you don't um, you, you we take it for granted. There's a there's a washing machine right around right five feet from where I'm sitting, and maybe I'll wash today, and maybe I won't. That's yeah. a, that's a privilege. And, that's, and, and that was one of the things, some of the stories that we hear while we're in there talking to the people that are in the laundromats. Um, 
between the timing of how long it takes to do the laundry, that's time that they could be at work making money. Um, it's time that they need to have with their kids at home doing homework. Uh, but it's also when you budget out money for a month, sometimes things happen. Your car breaks down, you have to go to the hospital, inflation happens and food's a little bit more expensive. Um, Those are due. It's all just one of those things where laundry budget kind of falls off the tail end. And um, it's like you said, it's not something everybody thinks about. It was definitely not something that I thought about before getting involved in the laundry project, but um, that's kind of why we continue on doing it. You're not going into politics, are you? <laughs> no, don't ruin him, Kurt. Don't well, ruin we him. Need no, we need I have no role models in, like bread. No plans in politics. I'd much rather just help the communities in the way that we're doing so now. Yeah. Are you going to coach soccer? I know you've kind of helped coach in Ohio a little bit, right? Yeah, I coached in Ohio, and um, I've done some individual coaching. I don't, I don't know what I want to do yet. Um, I mean, You're I, a kid. Yeah, I've I got. Decide. You're 31. <laughs> yeah, like I said, right now I have no plans on stopping playing soccer. I'm just a grown child that gets to kick a soccer ball for a living. <laughs> like uh, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I like coaching. I like working in communities, but I definitely don't see politics in my future. <laughs> That's, so That's great. awesome. That's awesome. What, last question I got for you, Brad, is just kind of. Do you take momentum from that game? I know it was you're down 2-0 and became only the first club in MLS history to come back from multiple goals four times. Uh, do you take momentum from that or is just every match different? No, we'll absolutely take momentum from that. Anytime that you can uh, get a win and advance in the playoffs, it's something special. When you look at the, the grand scheme of this year, there are only eight teams that are left in right. – that are playing soccer still. So right now we have to, we have to take that and use that and be like, okay, let's be one of the last four that are playing. Um, and momentum is easy to obtain. Like that one game is all we needed. I know we didn't finish the season as strongly as we wanted, but all it takes is one game and winning in front of a sold out crowd at Q2, the way that we did with all the emotions and the drama um, and just the celebrations afterward, it's really a galvanizing moment. And I think a lot of the guys are eager and hungry to come out and do that again, just to have that same celebration at Q2 again. Awesome. Well, you know, awesome. it's going to be raucous on Sunday <laughs> at seven Austin FC versus FC Dallas round two, hopefully a lot shorter than this last one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not worried about you, Brad. You're in a uh, confined space. I'm worried about your boys. We want to keep uh, those legs fresh for uh, the Western no, Conference Finals. I appreciate that. I hope they get it done in 90 minutes too. <laughs> that would be cool. Well, Western Conference semifinals Sunday night at the Q, seven o'clock. So, man, we appreciate you being with us. We appreciate what you're doing for the community, and uh, just keep on going. Okay, we uh, love I watching appreciate it. it. Thank you again for having me. All right. Thank good you, luck, man. Brad. Take care. Take care. Thank, Go get some you. rest. <laughs> On second thought. Duck, great podcast today. All over Texas, Oklahoma State football. Great conversation with Brad Stuver of Austin FC. Uh, big weekend in sports for yeah. the 512. I will be in Stillwater. You will be at the queue. And uh, we collectively will be back next week for more sports hijinks 
on On Second Thought. That will do it for episode 277. We appreciate you for tuning in to check us out, and we'll be back next week. Take care. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.